Hi, Mary. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm okay. I am very underslept by my own standards. I only slept like five hours last night, but Oof. I'm strangely uh, energetic. How about you? How are mm. you doing? Yeah, I feel good, question mark. Um, mm. <laughs> well, because we were talking about right before we started recording about just that feeling of impending travel where you're like, I am excited about this, but the moving parts of getting there are complicated. And mm -hmm. But our Mars and Capricorn does serve us well because once we get going, we're fine. Yeah. Um, or at least that's how I feel about it. So, yeah, I, I am really enjoying that it feels like full-blown spring now. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's full-blown spring spring where I am too. Yeah, and it's mm -hmm. it's nice. I kind of like it, but I'm also, spring is a really funny season for me because I guess I am a huge fan of fall and mm. a huge fan of winter. And I feel mm -hmm. like uh, spring, summer is like where I hibernate or when my energy starts to feel, like specifically in my body, my energy just feels really erratic during spring mm. and summer. Like, I was just telling you, um, and I guess everyone listening, that I didn't really have enough sleep last night. And I think it's very connected to the increase of light. Like for me, mm -hmm. it really disrupts my sleep a lot. And also the heat makes it really hard for me to like stay asleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's something that's nice about winter coziness where you're just like nestled in. And mm -hmm. I don't know, I think with the nice weather it also means they're like you said um disruption it's like there are so many things that are vying for our attention that in the winter you're like eh, i don't need to go outside that's fine mm -hmm. <laughs> but in exactly. summer people are wanting to do things and i don't know it's hard and to you're do. wanting to do things too like yeah, i'm feeling it, myself you know it's true yeah but it's also that like oh wait but i just settled down yeah. <laughs> like i just figured out a good routine and now i'm interrupted it's very upsetting to the capricorn parts of us right mm -hmm. like we just it was like the optimum uh structure the mm -hmm. optimal structure mm -hmm. and uh now we have to rebuild yeah and as soon as you figure it out then it's time to get back into that juicy fall time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like for me, summer is always the hardest. Like Leo season, I'm just like on the floor all the time. Mm -hmm. I get up to eat ice cream. I cry. I get back on the floor. <laughs> That's it. Melts into the tile, the cool tile. Yeah. Like a sweaty dog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I kind of agree. And maybe I wonder if that's just because of us having winter time birthdays, too, mm. that it's just this like blazing light compared yeah. to what our uh, natal sun is really wanting. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, for me, too, I was born on a sunset, although I guess you were born uh, in the middle of the day, right? Because the sun was on your midheaven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think my Pisces sun is definitely much more like the height of summer is just, it 
really feels not chill to me at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's also like, you know, there's this collective like energy of like how everybody's so excited that feels really hard for me because then I see the gap between like my, I wouldn't say lack of excitement, but maybe I just don't have that level of high and it makes me see that gap, you know, and it's mm-hmm. a little confronting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's something about the urgency of like, get it while it's hot, you know, Mm -hmm. like you have to like pack it all in and that like, we're not on a school schedule, but there's like this huge collective energy of like the first week of August, the fun starts to go down, even though Mm -hmm. we might still have a few good months of outside weather and neither of us have kids. Neither of us are like sucked into the school schedule mentality, but we still as a society are like, well, everything's winding down, close up the pool. Totally, totally. And yeah, then you have I, this like rush to enjoy it where you can't yeah. really relax into it. Mm-hmm. 100%. I think also, you know, this whole thing around like kids and s- school schedule is basically impossible to avoid because like, for example, in my company, like most of my coworkers have kids. And so they would um, end up on a school schedule pretty much. Like if mm-hmm. not formally, then energetically. Mm-hmm. You know, people take vacations and it's just, yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. I feel like it's and a collective the, drive. In mm-hmm. that day to day, which makes me think about what you were saying about your sleep. And I noticed this too, when the light starts to shift, how I can sleep later in the winter and then there, mm. it just, I start to wake up earlier and earlier. And because I have a life that allows me to be flexible in that way. I can notice those things. But when it's like on the dot, I must wake up at this time year round. We don't have space to like let ourselves adjust to what nature wants to do to us Mm -hmm. or the ways that we're in relationship with nature. We try to control it in some way. But the fact is like, no, you you need less sleep sometimes or maybe Mm -hmm. you have dinner later in the year and if you can't always have it right on the jot at 6 p.m. because it's time to, you know, that's the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been thinking about this for years now where I just noticed that, like, for my system, there's always kind of this reaction, especially in, like, the height of winter, like, Aquarius season, where I just really don't want to eat my salad. Like, usually I (laughs) eat salad at night, Mm -hmm. and I'm just like, I really could not care less about this stupid bowl of salad, right? (laughs) And I'm just like, give me soup. And then... And then in the summer, you know, it's like almost the exact opposite. Like all I want to do is sit around all day, eat strawberries and like ice cream. Uh And I'm like, I don't even want salty foods. Like that's gross. Like give me my shaved ice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want all these like carbs and stuff. Not that I don't, you know, year round love the carbs, but it's not (laughs) that feeling of um, bulking up for winter. (laughs) 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 I'm already... You know, like the visual you gave us earlier, <laughs> just down on the floor. <laughs> um, it's fun. It's interesting to think about this because I think everybody has it, um, mm-hmm. but we're not always allowed to. Like, it's just kind of what we have to do to be a good, hardworking member of society. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's also the whole shame around like, oh, I'm not productive enough, like whatever that means. Yeah, Um, yeah. Or like if I, 
if there's a period of time in the winter where you're like, I'm just really tired and that's okay. Yeah. I don't need to get a ton of shit done. Mm -hmm. Or in the middle of summer where you're like, I have a lot of energy and I do not want to work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that's mm -hmm. also like a real thing. And I don't know where your um, place is facing, like which direction, but mine is, I'm facing southwards. So there's so much light in my apartment mm -hmm. and especially during the summer months that it becomes usually totally unbearable even with the ac on because it's just so hot inside mm -hmm. so. yeah you need some blackout curtains mm -hmm. i do but I then really do. wouldn't that feel kind of like i don't know out of sync somehow a little bit yeah yeah like that's just part of the deal you totally. suffer and swelter <laughs> <laughs> i mean i've been thinking about how i can work with this and i guess one way to do it is actually to like sleep earlier in the mm. summer months mm -hmm. so then i can also wake up earlier and just be because you're right like i don't have um like my screens or i guess my window treatment is basically um it's not exactly transparent but it lets in the amount of light that's going on outside as well it's like very reflective of the mm. outside environment mm -hmm. well, so i'm basically so kind of living outdoors <laughs> <laughs> you're like a greenhouse yeah. uh, life well it's funny what you said about reflecting because i don't know if this is a good tie-in or not to what we came here to talk about let's do it but, yes <laughs> um i was thinking earlier just about this idea of multifaceted maven mm. And multifaceted, I was thinking about a gem and how a something being reflecting all of the light and facets of, of a given stone or something. And yeah, so it's just funny thinking about the ways that like if we as a person, as this gem of a multifaceted maven, whoever <laughs> we are, not even just us, you know, anybody that there are ways that you're always reflecting the light of what is around you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I really love this imagery of like a gem. Um, because I don't know, it just really warms my heart thinking of us both as gems. So cute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm into yeah, it. Yeah, like we can just um, dazzle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I should say too that I think the word maven wasn't even something that like came into my conscious awareness until I started doing a test that I was telling you about, Mary, a couple mm -hmm. years ago, maybe now. It's called mm -hmm. Sparkotype, and it's by someone named Jonathan Fields, and he has a podcast called The Good Life Project. And um, when I took that test for the Sparkotype, I discovered that I was a maven, and I was a little bit... Um, I was delightfully surprised. I think this was maybe around the same time that I was starting to get pretty serious about my astrology studies and realize the implication and the, um, yeah, like the lived experience of having a Gemini moon in my natal chart. And I was like, oh, that sounds so like Gemini, you know? And um, then a few years later... Gemini? Sorry, go on. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. Um, then a few years later, we were talking about this. And you and I, I think probably this was maybe after um, we had been in a couple classes together. Mm -hmm. um, I also made you take the test. And then you're also a maven. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, my goodness. So, yeah, what does that word mean to you, Mary? Like, Or, or how has it 
How do you see it in your lived experience? Mm. Yeah, I initially when I was thinking about this, it made me come. I how do I want to say this? Like, I noticed myself think, "Oh, well, Jonathan is more that way because of the things that you do that are more outward." But then I started、mm. thinking about the ways that you know the. Things that I'm into, like gardening or baking, or bread or whatever, that I'm like, oh yeah, it's not just limited to,、um, like your professional or not even, you know, like career type things. Like、mm-hmm. there's, in a way, maybe we all are mavens, but some people it's just more visible. Or maybe where some of us are more in touch with that. Multi-dimensional aspect yeah. of ourselves.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that maybe being in the circles that you and I find ourselves in, we're around people who tend to be this way because it's like you don't、mm. just fall into these classes without. Well, maybe you do. I don't know. How would you just fall into I, this? But like you know, it's kind of、yeah. like you have to like come to it because you really want it. You're not gonna generally just、uh, find it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you kind of、yeah. have to look for it. Exactly. I think you know what you're speaking to, Mary, is reflected in my own experience in terms of like. So when I was kind of making this transition between like being part, like purely a participant in like these <laughs> experiences, to starting to facilitate the experiences, or even like, I remember early on before I started facilitating, I had this experience of like. Thinking that it would be really fun for me to invite some of my friends from other areas of my life that are、mm. that I didn't meet in the setting, to like also join some of the classes because I'm like, wouldn't it be fun if we learn tarot together? And then was just met with like this like like people don't want to and people are like, why would I take a class? Like I'm an adult. <laughs> and one of the actually one of my friends who said that is literally, she's an adjunct professor、um, somewhere, and I was like. I was a little blown away because I was like, "What? This doesn't sound like fun to you. Like, how 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 does this not register as fun?" But I think、uh-huh. it made me realize, like, when I look around too, like, even with my family, I don't think my family would just take classes for fun. I mean,、mm-hmm. my sister maybe more so because she is also a Virgo rising with、um, Venus and Gemini at the top of her chart. So. She definitely is also like one of those people who are kind of hungry for information. But I've been in a think... class with her, yeah, with you. <laughs> That's <laughs> one、true. of those. This would be fun. Let me put all these people together in a group. <laughs> <Yeah> . <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah, That's true.、Um, you guys know each other. <laughs> yeah, I will. Sorry, did I interrupt what you were saying? Or、uh, I guess what I wanted to say is that I think. Part of being a maven that's been surprising to me is also how naturally we gravitate towards the activity or the、um, pursuit of synthesizing and stitching together various、mm. threads of our interests and like knowledge that calls to us, and how this is not a trivial and b not as common as you would think. Like there are people out there who. Don't think that this is fun, right? And、uh, this is another thing that I think is probably worth saying on our podcast because we probably also 
attract listeners who are somewhat mavens, I would say, Mary, mm. probably, mm-hmm. or people who have it. Like either they are um, consciously mavens, or they're kind of like it's somewhere in there and it's dormant like for them. Pass- yeah, I think if if there's like a passiveness to how do you a passive seems like it's not a choice but i think Mm. there's like um wanting to be near ideas i think there's like an exchange of ideas and Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know anything about human design but for some reason this is making me think of the market Mm, as the environment or yeah Yeah. right Mm -hmm. maybe um but yeah like what you were saying about uh being people who are looking to synthesize and like stitch together this knowledge Mm -hmm. there is this sense of being a maven as being a seeker but maybe it's like some seekers go a more i don't know if it's conventional because it's not like these courses we are in are really conventional Mm -hmm. but there is something that's unconventional where like it doesn't mean we necessarily have a degree at the end of it or it doesn't mean that we get a grade and can Mm. Or that it's even something that comes up in conversation. Like I I often realize that there are people in my day-to-day life that don't know I spend a lot of time in classes. And I'm like, mm. huh, oh yeah, I guess I never mentioned that to them. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's like, to me, it's like, it's a private thing, mm. but it's not private because I'm trying to keep it a secret. It's just like, this is what I do for fun on my own. And I guess mm. other people do other things for fun on their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can definitely see that. I mean, I something I will share is that when I went back home and I met people who knew me, you know, in like previous versions of my life, like more as a musician or like they just knew me from from school or from church or whatever, I realized I have no I have no idea how to talk to them about what I do now. And about Mm -hmm. the things that I'm learning now. Like, I just don't know how to relate to them as this part of me that's now, like, talking to you. Mm -hmm. That is such a large part of my existence now. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like, in that sense, I feel totally othered. And it's interesting because this experience of feeling othered have really shown up, you know. I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole because I totally can. Like, it's shown up a lot in my life, but I think this one is feeling more like a chasm than others because this is maybe the first, you know, kind of identity, right, or whatever, that I really feel is very true to me. Like, I would definitely Mm. say I am an artist, I definitely would say part of my identity is I'm a mystic. And then also I think a huge part of my identity is how I'm a learner. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that I would say the exact same three things, mm. but there's something with that um, underlying, it always comes back to us or this underlying energy of, um, I don't know what makes it different to each person, but there's mm. something about, how yeah like a a lot of people would say oh i like learning but then you're like well if you like learning why wouldn't you want to take this class or if you like learning why don't you want to read this book or listen to this podcast or whatever right and that maybe it's that seeking just looks different for so many people and Mm. sometimes we align with people who are in that similar trajectory Mm -hmm. that's like 
I really feel you and I and a lot of our friends that we now have together because of these courses. It's like we're kind of constantly like weaving back into each other. And the more that the more time that's gone on, it's like, oh, more of these worlds are colliding. Mm -hmm. And it's so fun to see that because then there is that reflective nature of being Mm -hmm. a seeker and how we're just sort of like gelling together in that momentum. Totally. And it's almost like you almost kind of take it for granted that this is just reality now, right? Like everybody is interested in these things, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which can sometimes make, I think, the the contrast with like the world that is not always so like actively searching for the procurement and the synthesis of these different interests to feel a little bit like jarring you know or like Mm. i don't know like when i'm around those people it's almost kind of like you know being a cat and being around dogs and being like (laughs) what the fuck is going on like why are you all like so people pleasing you know or like you know i don't know whatever cats think when they're around dogs i've never been a cat but (laughs) in this lifetime in this lifetime yeah hmm that's interesting. I don't, I feel like we are in a place of like, what is, what's next, you know, because mm-hmm. we, I don't know if this is how you feel. I guess I feel this personally that I'm just like, what's the next thing that I want to go for or go mm-hmm. toward? Because now it's almost like these it's been too general and now i'm like let's get really niche here (laughs) like like i did that with bread where it's like i'm just gonna do the same kind for Mm -hmm. years and years and get really good at this very specific kind and Mm -hmm. know it like the back of my hand and that yeah, like there's that broad, oh, I want to go like, like in astrology, you know, I want to go in this direction. And then mm. you sort of can narrow down what you're actually interested in. But at first, it's like, I have to get all these tastes and mm. then see how it actually feels in my body. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, what do you, where are you at with that? I'm actually more curious to hear about where you're at with that. Do you want to go first (laughs) while I gather my thoughts? (laughs) Sure. I mean, I guess when it comes to astrology, I've just been thinking a lot about locational astrology Mm -hmm. and how... I was just thinking about that for mm -hmm. you. Well, and especially because I have this upcoming travel where I'm going to the hometowns that my great-grandparents came from. Mm. And there's also just a lot that I've been... I meant to ask Leah about this with uh, borders and how that's a lot that I'm pondering these days because Mm -hmm. the town that my grandfather was from is on the Austrian side Mm. and um, the great grandmother is on the Hungarian side. But for so long, the Iron Curtain was through that town. And so even though when they were growing up, it wasn't there and the border wasn't there. Um. Yeah, like what? What has that done? So mm. anyway, I guess I'm mm. thinking about that and how how all of this genealogy research that I've done, like, what does it matter? Mm. 
Like, <laughs> I know that it does, but then I've lately had these, maybe it's just sort of um, preemptively trying to protect myself from mm -hmm. whatever may or may not happen on this trip is mm -hmm. like, why do I want to do this at all? And yesterday I really just like came down to it. It's like, I just want to go experience being on the land mm. and I want to see where like these people lived and see how my body feels and like mm. that's mm. the bare minimum and that's the goal and so if anything else happens that's a nice bonus but mm. um mm -hmm. yeah I, I there's a lot that I'm thinking about right now mm. oh I just feel so tender hearing that <laughs> And also at the same time, like it's not the it's not exclusively like a lunar tenderness. It also feels like a Venusian tenderness. Like I'm kind of seeing um like this flower that's kind of blossoming. Mm. Or you as a flower that's blossoming. I think there's something really beautiful about what you said around allowing your body to respond however it's responding to the land. And almost like establishing that connection, because to me, it really feels like you're also establishing some sort of connection with your ancestors, you know, in a very real way, because your ancestors live within you, you know, mm -hmm. and um, even just thinking about this border between Austria and Hungary, that's a very significant border, because this is not like, like, you know, certain borders people still speak the same language, I would say, mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, in on two sides of the border. But then this one's probably very different. And there are, like, very different cultures, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the, that area, there were a lot of Croatians who came several hundred years before. And so they've spoken Croatian there for, mm -hmm. for like, I don't know, several hundred years now. Yeah. And, yeah. The language stuff is another whole other <laughs> tangent to go on. Mm -hmm. Maybe one time we should do a thing about language. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's this whole thing of connecting to ancestors is something that even talking about it here with you right now, it feels like. I'm talking about one thing, the words that are external, but there's like all of the somatic mm. senses that come up. And I'm sure it's the same with you and your, it's like we, we think we're talking about the same thing mm -hmm. and yet there are no words around it. Yeah. And yeah, I, um, I remember there was another thing I wanted to say about the land is like, Part of what's hard about getting going with traveling is just like, all right, once I'm on my way, it will be cool, but there's going to be a little bit of anxiety beforehand. Mm -hmm. And I've just been mulling over this idea, like, what if I actually feel really at home there? Like, mm. what if I go there and it feels better than other places I've ever been? And mm. it's like, well, that's a possibility I hadn't really considered because you think, yeah. oh, it's so unfamiliar to me but then i've never really been on any land that i knew for certain was like mm -hmm. where my family had lived for hundreds of years mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm also thinking as you're speaking about how your chart ruler as a Taurus rising is Venus in Taurus, right? In your or Venus in Capricorn in your ninth house, mm-hmm. um, and how you know the ninth house speaks to like long distance travels. It speaks to like living abroad, right? It speaks to like procurement of knowledge, which I feel like we've just been talking about all of the themes, um, but there is. I don't know. I do think that that question of like, what if I feel better abroad is probably a very important part of your exploration in this lifetime. You know, my partner is an Aries rising with Mars in Sagittarius in his ninth house and traveling. I think I I would probably it's probably safe to generalize at this point that traveling feels more like home to him than staying rooted Mm. so i don't know the the venus counterpart to that like maybe it's not as you know um out there and as like active you know Mm -hmm. as like is his an aquarius uh sagittarius oh it is both of them are uh wait oh venus venus is in capricorn so ninth house a tenth house sorry i'm just my mercury in pisces <laughs> today i'm feeling specifically mercury in pisces yeah <laughs> yeah um, but mm-hmm. yeah and that it's it almost feels impossible to imagine I mean, it is in some ways that something could feel that good that you imagine feels so destabilizing Mm. but until you're in it you can't really make that judgment no you can't and it's like i think that also speaks to the immediacy of venus right because i think especially venus in an earth sign is like very much about like how does my body respond how does my system respond to an environment that i can like you know touch Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's making me curious about for you having moved abroad and lived abroad your entire adult life. Mm. Um, how does it feel? Like, do you feel more at home here now than, or like what? It, yeah, I guess there's just so many questions about like home in general and yeah. how in some ways traveling when you're young like when you came here you were like still a teenager you know Mm -hmm. so it's like of course it was going to be exciting but it didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily mean you were paying attention to like how your body felt in the ways that you would now if you decided to move halfway across the world again yeah that's a really good question mary i would say as um a mutable rising person so for those listening who doesn't know um I'm a Virgo rising, so my angular houses are all ruled by um, mutable signs. And I found that for me, when I really feel into like the idea of home and what does feel like home, rather than like concepts of like what home is, like if I think about like what does home feel like, to me, I feel most at home when I'm in a creative flow. Mm. And this, I think, really speaks to to the fact that my chart ruler is Mercury and it's uh, in fall and detriment in Pisces. And 
I think that there's something about who I am and how I am that it almost like, and the, the more I deepen into like these studies of my chart uh, through astrology or my human design chart, the more I recognize that for me, it's more about like this feeling, like home is more a feeling. And it's actually very destabilizing because we live in a society where everybody thinks that home needs to be a place rather than like mm-hmm. a feeling. But once I let myself validate my own experience and have my own experience and have my truth and not even have to have it be like cognitively true, but like more on a felt sensation, what I realize is kind of cool about my particular lived experience is that actually I can manufacture the feeling of home basically anywhere with the right conditions. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty impressive. Um, and maybe that is a way in which um, there's something about it being like, how do I even want to say this? Like we live in these material forms, but mm. there's something that's so liberating about yeah. understanding the illusion of home as yeah. a literal building mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and tapping into that feeling because, you know, we've all probably had that experience of going to your childhood home and being like, I do not really feel the homey feelings, no. <laughs> but I do feel in home of my childhood. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, actually, when you think about it, maybe from a mutable uh, sign perspective, right? It's very inherently unstable to ground your home in an actual like geographic location mm-hmm. or even to think, you know, I've also seen, and I'm not, I want to be very clear that I'm not like invalidating anybody's definition of home. Like you can have whatever definition you want. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is that you can also see that there's this perspective where, you know, like, for example, I've seen in romance movies, people saying, like, their lover is their home or something. Like that. That's an inherently unstable perspective because one day your lover is going to die or one day, you mm-hmm. know, something's going to be taken away. Right. Like, and mm-hmm. this is just part of life. And I'm not saying that, you know, we need to avoid it as humans. I think that's what makes the human experience so meaningful that these things can be taken away from us. And also for me personally, I realize that and this is something that I've been thinking a lot with my human design chart because I really only have my G center, which speaks to like love, identity, and direction, and my sacral center open, which, you know, is like about consistent access to life force energy. And my recent realization around this, Mary, is how wild it is that in a lot of my relationship, the only thing that the people around me really want from me is my love for them and how that's actually like enough you know and like the manifestation of that or like my action is sometimes like not even relevant like can i stay in that frequency of love and like let myself really give that to people and not feel like love has to look a certain way you Mm. know because Mm -hmm. sometimes love looks like you know, saying like something that is kind of sharp or something that's kind of spicy. And sometimes love looks like leaving them, like giving them their space, you know, Mm -hmm. or like Mm -hmm. letting them figure it out on their own. But 
can I still hold that frequency of love and let people know that that frequency is available? You know, that if I choose to be in a in some sort of relationship with this person, that I like I I love them and I mean and I mean it when I tell them that I love them in whatever way feels appropriate for that particular relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of don't have to do anything more than that. Your, your uh, Pisces seventh house is showing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's funny how we all contort ourselves into all kinds of different things and ways that we think we need to contribute that actually, if your mind is making you think that you need to contribute a certain way, it probably is true that you don't need to contribute in that way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because there's this uh, nagging feeling that what Mm. you're doing isn't right. Yeah, exactly. Like what you're already doing and how you're already naturally being is not enough, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that um, your little human design spiel was a good uh, (laughs) indicator of where Jonathan is currently heading (laughs) yeah i mean i was just telling i was just telling you mary that i think this experience of like me letting myself actually like validate my own interest in human design has been really interesting because um it's again shown me like where i get a little caught up in like other people's thoughts and ideas and experiences And I'm not saying that those ideas and experiences are not valid, right? I'm not saying that they're not worth thinking about, but they are not rooted in my experience. So I guess a little background story is that I basically found human design maybe a little over a year ago. I had my first reading, and then since then I have been really fascinated by it, and I've been kind of reading up on it slowly like gathering all kinds of knowledge and um human design's interesting because i think there's a lot of misconception and there's a lot of like partial information floating out there around human design you know and i think partially that happens too with astrology but i don't know i guess maybe i'm too far away from like the you know the kind of like how do i want to say this like the people or the communities that are interested in astrology but not interested in actually learning astrology, you know? Mm-hmm. Or they're interested in like a, pro- a projection or some sort of image of it's astrology. A cate- it's a way to categorize people and like yeah. kind of simplify. You know, it's like there's the equivalent of high school cafeteria tables of like the jocks the nerds the gemini's the aquarians mm-hmm. you know <laughs> and in some ways it is very helpful yeah but it's also like that's not everything mm-hmm. that's not the whole picture totally totally um yeah exactly and i think for me then like having kind of peripherally been taking in all of this human design content and feeling a lot of resonance in my body, but feeling like my head is filled up with all these questions that I didn't know how to answer um, that are also probably in hindsight not really mine to answer, you know, or like not yet mine to answer given the fact that I haven't really built a solid foundation of knowledge about 
human design, you know? So it's interesting because then I think that really, my process was that it took me a long time to even recognize that that's what was happening. Like that I wasn't taking my interest seriously enough because I was worried about what other people say and worried about what mm. other people might think about me learning human design and all that kind of stuff. And then once I realized and recognized all of these filters, I was able to just say to myself, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to like go for it, you know? And the experience has been so gratifying because the process of learning something that I am genuinely interested in in the moment is so easeful like there's no effort required whatsoever mm-hmm. or it doesn't feel like effort you know because mm-hmm. the energy is just available because the interest yeah. is there mm-hmm. yeah. Do you feel that this... too with your pursuits yeah and it's funny i wasn't thinking about it in this way but with the family research i've been doing it's like if my interest is there i'm like sucked into it for hours Mm. and then there will be like a month or two where i'm like yeah i just don't care about it Mm. but then sometimes i'll be like no i have to figure out like where was this person born and it's so funny because like I still have like my assumptions about what it means to be like a family researcher or a mm-hmm. genealogist. And I'm like, isn't that just like people who are like, what? what's the point of any of this? And now I'm like, oh my God, I totally get it now. It's like, there's just all these mysteries and it's a puzzle and you're like, and who, where, why? And, mm. and then, you know, sometimes like I just had this mystery this morning where I was like, wait, is this a sister I never knew about? Like, who is this? And then then it's like trying to find this person and if there's any evidence of them existing or if it was like a mistake. And yeah, so it's like like an aunt, you know, not my actual sister. Mm. But um, yeah, and and it's that same feeling of like, if the desire is there, the energy is there. Mm -hmm. And if the desire is not there, then why force it? Like with anything. And maybe that's something about the multifaceted maven feeling is that it's like you don't come into this. I don't know. Is this an identity? Like, what are we calling this? (laughs) This persona that we have? (laughs) Who are you? This identity of um, this lifestyle. It's not something you just... It's like it happens slowly over time, maybe, mm-hmm. that you can't just wake up one day and be it, but maybe one day you look back and realize you are it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so, that's such a beautiful way to put it because it's not. It's interesting because I think I think a lot about this in terms of Virgo, actually, and how the Virgo energy is extremely revered in our culture, but it's also kind of diminished in, in mm-hmm. a certain way. Because, you know, thinking about Virgo as like the place where Mercury is at home and is exalted, I think I think of Virgo as kind of like um one way that we can think about Virgo is like a very neat um like library right or the way that a library is like organized like there's a certain Mm -hmm. kind of organization but also one way to think about virgo is um like walking into a forest and like 
being able to harvest whatever you know or like forage mm-hmm. whatever right like there's kind of this um openness i think to like the virgo energy and you know people talk a lot about discernment with virgo but you can't discern if you haven't had enough experience like you know if you mm-hmm. are like to to go back to the example of foraging right i would imagine that if you were like a mushroom forager you needed to have like been poisoned at least a couple times otherwise you wouldn't really know what you're talking about right mm-hmm. and i think there's something and about yeah mm-hmm. i'm sorry no i guess i, w- I just what? wanted to to say that there's something about like f- the act of tasting a lot of different things is not like it's it's funny i guess this is what i'm trying to say that we have been sold by our society this version of like knowledge procurement as like you go to a school and there's a syllabus and there's this you know neat kind of delivery of knowledge right but the reality is like that knowledge came from messiness right it was just that someone mm-hmm. came in and became this intermediary who organizes all this separate disparate pieces of information into like a structure right mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the knowledge itself is not inherently clean like it's not inherently mm-hmm. structured you know sorry i cut you off but what were you no that that's exactly what i was thinking about with that messiness is like you also don't become a good cook without making bad dishes or you don't um become a good teacher without messing up at some point like you can't do everything perfectly and maybe that yes. also goes back to like the virgo thing of like you can assume that virgo is just all about like getting it perfectly right but it's like also because there's the ability to see where things make the most sense and to then be more efficient in that way as well Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and it's like you know efficiency my dad you know like to say that you can't learn how to be efficient before you learn how to be effective And I think there's something really interesting in that because it's like, if you haven't even, you know, to kind of maybe use the example of cooking, if you haven't ever successfully managed to cook a particular dish well, how can you teach people how to cook it fast? You know, because you don't even know how to do it well. (laughs) Yeah, I I see this a lot when I try to explain bread to people, like Mm. some people jump ahead trying to um i don't know i guess like one example that i'm thinking of with oh i want to make this bread more nutritious in quotes Mm. (laughs) so i want to like put all these things in but you don't understand that if you're putting in different types of flour it's going to behave differently and it's going to have a different hydration the structure is going to be different the crumbs going to be different Mm. you're going to it's going to ferment faster it's like all of these things that you just think oh well with flour is flour it's like no not at all and Mm. you can't um you can't just swap something out and assume that it's going to behave the same way and and like I don't know. There's something about doing that and also just having it turn out a certain way where you're like, oh, I can look at this as like a complete failure or I can be like, well, that was interesting. Like, 
why did that happen that way? Yeah. And it's always that perspective with any some something that seems to be a failure. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this this theme around failure and like trial and error is really interesting. And I'm also curious as I'm hearing you talk about it, Mary, if you had any process in terms of like you know, when you are in that very new phase of learning something that you're interested in or letting yourself be consumed, maybe <laughs> as a maven, <laughs> it, it feels more like... Yeah, just let, you know, let the spirit move through me. <laughs> yeah, or kind of like, I'm kind of getting this image of like, I don't know if you've ever seen one of these like Miyazaki movies with like the, you know, the monsters and stuff. And you just kind of uh-huh. like approach the monster and let yourself be eaten by the monster. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What has been your process in terms of considering which knowledge or which container of learning, which communities to let yourself be dissolving into or mm. um, integrating with or integrating into your body? Um, yeah, what has been that, what has that experience been like? How do you choose? How do you know if Mm. this is right for you or not? Yeah, I think I'm a bit of a lurker for a while. Like I like to watch what's happening. Like I'll follow somebody for a while and I don't make a decision too quickly unless they come highly recommended from somebody who I really trust and like trust that they understand my vibes as well, you know, like I, I think it is that it goes back to like, how does this feel in my body? How do I make a decision? Um, especially if it's something that's like a very long-term commitment. But I think about like with Leah as one example, it was like, as soon as I first watched some of her Instagram lives, I was like, wow, this person is quite interesting and I am going to keep paying attention to them for a while and see Mm -hmm. if it continues to land in the same way. And not that they have to like meet my requirement or something. I think there's just this feeling of like, can I be sure that what's coming up is a feeling that's like, oh, maybe it goes back to like what you were saying about home. It's Mm -hmm. like, do I feel like I want to go on this path with this person? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and maybe that, I mean, that's kind of how I feel about you too. That's kind of how I feel about you too. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, let me scope this person out for like a full year and change. And then let's all talk about doing a thing together, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think that's really, that's really interesting especially from the perspective of human design, because you have an emotional authority. And one of the things that people say about having an emotional authority is to like wait, you know, for that whole cycle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like let yourself land somewhere. Yeah. And this also makes me think about when I noticed myself get sucked into reading a lot about something. I also Mm. noticed this during the pandemic where it would be like, oh, there's this thing in the news. And I would just get really sucked into reading it Mm. for like a few days, like reading everything I could. Right. But knowing in that moment to not um, like this is a cycle and I don't have to read into this as like, oh, no, I'm going to like be in this period of despair for ages it's like actually i kind of just let myself like 
run, let it run its course, mm. go through that wave, and mm -hmm. then know that once I like get to the end of that tunnel, whatever it is, I'm like, okay, now I'm like coming back for air. Yeah. But I, I sometimes do get sucked into something and, and I just don't need to like make a judgment claim about if it's mm. like bad or good or <laughs> if I should be spending my time differently because yeah. that's just it's what is getting my interest so therefore that's enough and and it's valid mm -hmm. you know yeah I think that's like the zen of like uh the art of zen in like mavening you know <laughs> like not judging yourself because also mm -hmm. what I'm noticing about the judgment is and I don't know if this aligns with your experience or anybody else's experience, but in my experience, similar to what I was saying about human design earlier, often like that judgment is not actually my own voice. Yeah. Or it's yeah. kind of like other people's voice and thoughts and opinions that are currently floating around in my system. And my system is kind of like, what do we do with this? Like, I don't even know what this is. This does not feel good. This is not mine. And it's kind of wanting to eject it. And it's mm -hmm. almost like, but that's the thing, right? Like nature abhors a vacuum or whatever they say. So it's almost like the only way to do it, to exercise that, like to exorcise that, <laughs> you know, vo the voices, right? It's like, <laughs> I need to like fill myself up with like substantive information mm -hmm. yeah. that is actually like, satisfying my hunger for this particular subject or this particular exploration topic or whatever yeah this is mm. making me see you kind of as a sieve and i think how some some people are um, like maybe your gemini-ness is good at just sort of like letting it flow and pisces you know but like letting it like it comes in and it goes out. But mm -hmm. I think sometimes I've noticed it's hard for me is like it comes in and then I'm like, ah, how do I get this yeah. out of here? Yeah. And I don't I don't always know how to like then release that information. Mm. And maybe that also speaks to the need to when we're made when we're in this like maven moment uh, to like have some outlet for it, yeah. like whether it's writing or um, just even talking with people mm -hmm. and just mm -hmm. being like, oh, I'm excited about this thing. But sometimes it's like, it's like when you're having anxiety too, mm -hmm. that like this, this um, circling around a certain topic, you're like, what am I, like, I'm getting sucked into this thing. And is there like a release valve for that at some point? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm really glad. I'm really glad you're bringing this up, Mary, because it's reminding me of um, how intense learning can be. I was in a class the other day, and I was just like sitting there listening to the lecture um, and just feeling all sorts of stuff in my in my body. And I think one of the challenges in the early stages of learning something new is that you don't know how to interpret those sensations in your body. Like when you're mm -hmm. receiving this information, it's like, is this information not right for me? Or am I just feeling the intensity of the resonance? Or what even is this? You know, and I think yeah. the mind wants to rush in and be like, this is what that means. But it's like, you don't really know what it is in the context of like this particular um, 
like I don't know, like this flower bed of knowledge, you know, until mm-hmm. you've been in it for a while because you don't even know what the landscape looks like. Yeah, it's also thinking about your foraging little walk through the woods. I'm thinking about um, if if you're walking with a little kid and they don't know what things are food and it's like, is this food for me? No, that's not. That's like a piece of grass, but it looks yeah. like other things that we eat. So mm. um, mm-hmm. in that same way, it's like, why do we need to decide so quickly? It's like, how about just like gather these things and we can make a decision later. We don't have to decide right now, but there's like that urgency yeah. that doesn't, it doesn't feel good. Like if I'm ever in a phase, it kind of reminds me of like cramming for a test. Like you're mm. never going to actually embody that knowledge if it's the half an hour before and you're just like, this is this fact, this is that date and this is whatever. It's like, why bother? Just stop. Just, yeah. just don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's such a good point. And also, I've also had this, you know, I've definitely had that experience of like cramming before the exam. I've also had the exact opposite experience of like having learned this so intensely that like two minutes before the papers come to my (laughs) desk, I'm still reviewing. And it's like when people are like, there's nothing else you can do. It almost doesn't make sense to me anymore because I'm like, but I've been living with this material. I'm just following my train of interest. (laughs) Yeah. and, And I also feel like for you, it's like, you have all of this information from various sources coming in and out. So you're like, wait, no, I I need to get back to that train of thought. But like, for me, if it hasn't fully, like if I haven't slept on it, it's Mm. not probably going to come out. (laughs) I mean, maybe it depends. But yeah, that that is an interesting thought about um, maybe it depends on the the significance of the test mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i guess that's bringing me to another question i have for you mary which is that i'm curious to hear about what that process of learning something new actually looks like for you like do you usually take notes do you try to digest it intellectually or do you like let it kind of move through you what's that process usually like for you Thank you for that very thoughtful question, Jonathan. Um, I think I do, I definitely do take notes. I'm a note taker for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and I enjoy, I don't know if I ever really, it's not that I never go back to them, but I do feel like if I ever need an archive, I've got it. and there's something about the comfort that that gives me is like oh this is what i was thinking about in this phase of life um i definitely buy a lot of books that i may or may not actually get to but it helps with cookbooks when you're like god i really wish i had a japanese street food cookbook oh Mm. great i do and i've (laughs) used it a few times you know but i'm like this is the kind of thing that i'm like prepare now so my future self will be very grateful and Mm -hmm. i often am yeah um but i don't know about um yeah i i think it's like i go through this period of of finding what i can find online Mm -hmm. and being like what can i read about this thing and then it does kind of get to that point of like, oh, 
do I really want to do something a little more thorough? Maybe I do need a course. And I wonder if that's kind of the same feeling for you where you're like, oh, I search around, read a bunch of stuff and then listen to podcasts or something. Um, but I also find that personally, um, maybe it just depends on like the phase of the year, but I'll go through phases where I'm like, oh, I just like can't hear anybody else's voices. So then I don't listen to a lot of podcasts or I don't read a lot yeah. because it just feels like I've got enough going on, like swirling yeah. with my own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a really important awareness to have. And something that I realize for myself too, despite my Gemini moon tendencies is that um, I do need periods of like relative silence. And it's interesting because I think for me, it's a little different maybe than, than normal people, or I don't, I don't know even what normal <laughs> is. That's such a stupid thing to say. I am so not normal. <laughs> I am so not normal. <laughs> I'm so special. Um, <laughs> that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm trying to say, but I guess you are special. <laughs> oh, thank you, Mary. <laughs> but, <laughs> I guess for me, it's interesting because I definitely get overwhelmed. But I think the mm -hmm. overwhelm comes more from like um, having to respond. And this is something mm. I'm learning kind of gradually through like experimenting with like my own human design chart. Because mm. as a generator, the strategy for us is supposed to be like to wait to respond. And so I've been trying, like, what does it look like to wait to respond? You know, and what I've noticed is that actually... I don't, my body, my system doesn't respond to as many things that my mind, as my mind thinks it needs to respond to. Mm. So that sometimes there are things that I don't have a response to, or I don't want to respond to. And I can't always make sense of why that is. And so I found that, you know, when it comes to podcasts, for example, or listening to like YouTube videos or listening to like lessons from classes that I've taken in the past or that I'm currently taking, taking that I am not attending live. Um, <laughs> um, I'm noticing that I have a pretty good sense of like when I'm at capacity, like when I can't mm -hmm. really do it anymore. So my capacity is usually pretty large. Like I tend to like take to take in a lot of information, but I also have this preference of like taking in little bits at a time. So one of the reasons why, for example, I would listen to like four different podcast episodes at the same time is because I usually can only take in like 10 minutes of each at one time. And then after that, I kind of want to move on because my, my brain needs like a little bit of like a do nothing moment, you know, and sometimes mm -hmm. the do nothing moment is like listening to another podcast, you know? And yeah. like you said, kind of just letting it be in my field. So I guess the final thing I will say around that is um, what I've been realizing is actually sometimes the overwhelm comes from like pushing myself to respond to people in my life in order to like make sure that they feel loved. Does that mm. make sense? Mm -hmm. Like that is actually the more draining one because sometimes I actually genuinely do not have a response. And I'm realizing that it's probably better for me to not have a response rather than to manufacture a response. Mm -hmm. And just feel like I'm doing this out of politeness. Yeah. Like that, I, then that's also to me, then that just feels disingenuous or yeah. um, inauthentic in some way that it's like, 
well, just it's fine. You don't have to say anything. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it's or you can just say like, wow, that's a really great observation. You know, thank you for sharing with me. And you can be done with it. Like actually, right? Mm -hmm. If you have nothing to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's, hmm. I'm thinking about how this has sort of been a thread as we've been talking about like how our learning and the drive that we have for learning, but then that's, ah, uh, okay. This is what I'm thinking about. So yesterday I had a meeting with our friend who I already mentioned, Leah Garza, for a one-on-one -on -one for the Akashic Mentorship hmm. that we're both in. <laughs> and um, we were talking about how, you know, being in this practice for a year of developing a relationship with the records. And I was talking to her about how I am in relationships with people. And then like, of course, this is how I am in my mm -hmm. relationship with this practice. Yeah. Because I've noticed, for example, in the last few weeks or month, I've had this feeling of like, I know when I'm on my trip, I'm going to get plenty of time where I'm going to like try to sit down to like ground myself and this will be part of my practice. Mm -hmm. So I've noticed this little bit of distance from it because mm. one, I've been distracted, but two, it's not like I haven't been having the same level of like writing or um, quiet time even, but I'm just like, no, I'll it, it's like like when you know you're going to see somebody later, you're like, it's fine. We'll just talk when we see each other. I don't need to like tell you this whole story. I'll just mm. wait till we're together later. Yeah. And that's kind of how I've been feeling about like my practice lately is it's <laughs> like, eh, we'll get our time together. Yeah. <laughs> and I also don't want to like get too close. You know, <laughs> like it's fine. We're secure in our relationship. I'll see what I see. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Also, I think with different like practices or different bodies of knowledge, sometimes it does take time to get to that point. You know, like, for example, for me with astrology, it's noticeably longer than other studies because I think like a year and a half into my studies, I was still like so voraciously like eating it up. Mm -hmm. But to kind of tie it back to what I was saying about like, social life or like taking in information learning from the people around me which i also consider learning i think that there's mm -hmm. something about like interactions like when you and i talk together like there's something that is um very like it's not maybe in like a school educational way like oh i'm not going to like the merry classroom but it kind of is like that right because like our interaction teaches me something you know and mm -hmm. i think it's kind of important to be feeling into like a, like, how much of this do you want to take in? But B, also, like, if you are really, really, like, voracious about a particular pursuit or a particular relationship, and then suddenly, like, the well kind of just seemingly runs dry, all of a sudden, what do you do? You know, because mm. I think the mind can kind of rush in and be like, oh, you're doing the wrong thing, or like, I don't know. It's it, time to break up. It's time, exactly. <laughs> it's like all of these weird things. They're dead stories, to me. Right? <laughs> When actually maybe you just need a break, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and it also, in that relationship, um, sometimes it's just okay if we see other people for a little while and then realize that we do actually want to be together. We just needed some time yeah. to think about other things or that um, 
that it yeah it, it makes me think again about like i don't have to decide so soon about mm -hmm. what i feel about this thing and i think you and i having both being being in these very long relationships separately and maybe now together um <laughs> that there's like this feeling of like waxing and waning and like i the longer you're with someone the mm -hmm. more you know this is a cycle you go through just yeah. like it's in a cycle of the emotions that when you start something new like oh this is familiar i don't mm -hmm. have to decide where this goes i'll just like wait and see and maybe that's like my um uh what's my thing again with the projector it's like invitation. waiting for the invitation for... yeah <laughs> it's like okay i just will like watch what happens and uh respond accordingly when yeah. that when that feels uh available yeah yeah exactly like answer the invitation when it comes if you want mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah this is making me think also about like how i'm i'm feeling a connection with a thread that you were bringing up earlier around your trip and about you know the continuation of your multifaceted maveness and as you were speaking about the relationship i was also kind of sensing how you know i think one way that knowledge can start to integrate in our bodies and in our field is that we start to be maybe less drawn to cognitive ways of learning or like mentally trying to like what are the different significations of something, right? Like if you're mm -hmm. learning astrology or like tarot, like what are the meanings of the cards? And then you start to like take it outside of the bounds of like the textbooks and you start to like really feel the relationship of your body to quote unquote the land, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're starting to put it into practice. And I think this is where the, or at least, to our bodies, often it feels like the rhythm or the pace kind of drops significantly. And that can be really jarring, you know? And yeah, I guess I just want to say that, like, I've experienced that a lot. And there's always a part of myself that's like, but, 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 you know, like, I'm not doing it right. Because it's like so slow now compared to when I was learning mm. earlier, you know? But, mm -hmm. but I think it feels so important, especially... You know, studies like astrology, there are definitely periods where I cannot read books or learn from lectures because I am taking in so much information that I can't even cognitively process at the moment from like talking to people about their charts. Yes. Do yes. you experience and especially, this too, Mary? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's that um, when now when we have so many people who speak this language with us mm. i don't have to um look it up and be like what does it mean that the sun is in aries with this person it's like i talk to the people who i know who have sun in aries or i you know like um there was something that came up recently that it was like oh i'm noticing a few virgo rising people are all kind of having this experience i'm curious if it's like that for this other virgo rising person i know mm. and you get to a point that you can collect your own data and make your own assumptions and make your own connections and it it goes back to that um 
how does this feel for me? Because it's like, instead of asking somebody else or a book or a podcast or some person who you think knows better than you, what does this mean? It's like, oh, right. I can seek it out relationally, like mm -hmm. with intention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's such a, um, it seems on some, on some level so obvious, but then like, at what point do you feel like you have the right to do that feels mm. very like that that's a shift yeah. i would say yeah. to to the new phase of whatever it is from when you feel like a beginner to really notice that like oh i guess i have gained some things and maybe it's like if i think about that with bread it's like oh, when people start asking me questions, huh, I guess I do know a few things about bread. Mm -hmm. Or like with astrology, it's like you, with how many thousands and thousands of books we could read yeah. over thousands of years mm -hmm. that there's all of this information. But then at some point you realize like, oh, I actually have things to say about this myself from things that I've learned. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know. Um I'm curious about like what ways you knew you shifted in your learning. Like how mm. what were those signposts for you to realize that this was something that you had then integrated in your way of being? Yeah. Hmm. I would say for me, it usually the cycle of shifting into a new way or new rhythm of learning always comes with some level of like mental frustration or mental invalidation because as i mentioned earlier for me the pace of learning from like the mind right or like learning from textbooks and things like that finishing courses slows down considerably like i usually mm -hmm. learn really fast in the earlier part of the curve and mm -hmm. then i think as i begin to practice it i start to have less and less appetite and capacity for like taking in raw information you know and that always comes with like this battle of like, oh, you're being lazy or something like that, you know? And I think what's interesting though is that I think I've been learning to, or I've been kind of making a note to remember to um, have a lot of compassion to this part of myself that's like, oh my God, we're not doing enough, right? And like, mm. and like shift into really feeling into like, is this a real embodied frustration? Or is this simply a conditioned response, right? Mm -hmm. To like what my mind thinks needs to be the way of learning. Like, for example, yeah. I'm going to give a very um, real example, which is that I've been learning astrology for a number of years. I would say in the last year or so, specifically my work with one of my teachers, Diana Rose Harper, has felt a lot like just being in conversations with her. And like mm. when I look back, I'm kind of like, what did I actually like? What new techniques am I learning? Not much. Like I'm not just talking about her, but about myself too, right? Because I'm the one who brings things to our sessions to her, because it's a, um, it's like a one-to-one, one-on-one relationship. And then, you know, kind of moving through this feeling of like, oh, I'm not doing enough. I'm such a loser. But then, like, when I look back, I'm like, oh, actually, not really. Like, I've been doing a lot. <laughs> uh -huh. Like, I've been, you know, creating these um, 
like weekly um, contemplation about transits. Love them. Thank you. They're so good. I um, really enjoy it. It's I don't always listen, but whenever I do, it feels like a settling start to the week. Mm. Or like it makes content. It helps give context to what just happened. And I'm like, oh yeah, I see this. I feel this in my own ways. Yes. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Mary. I really appreciate that. Um, and that's also a good example because, for example, prior to creating those weekly audio contemplations through my, you know, podcast, I shared more on Instagram and then now I don't anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't yeah. been doing that for a really long time. You know what this is making me think about with your... um you know, the shift in your pace, there's still that energy of something wants to come out like either way your energy is being expressed. Mm. It's like either way you're getting it out there, but like mm. now it's it's pivoted into this podcast or mm. like when you're probably in another phase of doing a lot more on Instagram, these other things sort of slow down. Yeah. But that like either way, your essence is still being on full display. Mm-hmm. It's just like coming out in different channels. Yeah. Yeah. And I sometimes think... we make it, we make ourselves think that this is like, I'm more visible or I'm less visible, mm-hmm. but like, you're always being expressed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think that's such a that's such an important reminder because, especially as you're moving to like that phase of like maybe slowing down or like learning at a different pace, you're going deeper with a particular knowledge, or you are starting another knowledge. There can be like a comparison that goes on too. You know, like mm-hmm. maybe you're really excited about this one and not so excited about this one. And you're like, oh, is it not right for me anymore to be like devoting myself to learn about, you know, the earlier thing? But yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that, that energy is still happening. You know, I'm seeing it as like this. It's reminding me about how earlier in this conversation we had about your blinds. Yeah. That like <laughs> the sun is still coming through. Mm-hmm. And you're just adjusting that filter through whatever it is that comes into your space. Mm -hmm. And we, I don't know, this is making me think about like, are we ever, I mean, we're never not shining our light of whatever, you know, like it sounds so like cheesy, Mm -hmm. but there's something about that that feels really like, why am I making these assumptions or judgments or comments about anybody or myself, especially myself, like mm-hmm. in those ways that we can get so critical or like self-conscious where even if I'm in a phase of so-called learning a lot, it doesn't mean that those phases where I wasn't, that there wasn't a lot going on mm-hmm. all the time. And mm-hmm. maybe this is another like Capricorn heavy life <laughs> thing <laughs> where you're like no unless it's like tangible then it doesn't matter yeah you know what i mean like do you I have do. feelings about that yeah like... i have a lot of feelings about that <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i'm always feeling like that um yeah i think a great example is probably like my identity as a musician or like my um yeah just i, I don't even know if identity is the right word like me as a musician, I guess. Let me just put mm-hmm. it that, like that. Um, it's been really hard the past few years because I think 
I've always identified or had this mental concept that like me being a musician means like releasing music or like being mm. up on stage when actually like I have been practicing singing regularly for the last three years you know mm-hmm. so i am doing that i'm just not doing that on stage i'm just not yeah. doing that in a way that's public but it's so much harder for i think certain types of personalities to validate what you're doing when you're just doing it for yourself you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think for I other that. types of personalities it's the other way around where it's really hard for you to validate what you do publicly because you feel like oh if i do it publicly then i must be doing it for some other people not for myself Mm. And therefore, it's not valid. And I think both ends are like distortions in some ways. Mm-hmm. 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 And it, I was thinking about that with my writing and any art that I am making in life. It's like, oh, if I'm just mounding up this stack of stupid doodles that don't matter or whatever. But it's also like, but I don't actually believe that. But it, it's like what you were saying with the um, the words that aren't really your own. You're mm-hmm. like, is this actually how I feel? Or this is just something that I I know other energy would say this, but this mm-hmm. isn't actually mm-hmm. how I feel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this isn't something that I need to uh, then change about myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think this, particularly in terms of like working internally with that realization, right? There's also something that I've recently been contemplating on, which is that it's actually, um, it's interesting thinking about how like once we recognize, you know, these other people's voices, right? Or other people's opinions, we can really judge the part like we can really judge that voice, but actually what we're doing is we're judging the part of ourselves that are attached to those voices. Mm. And I think that is also in some ways um, a place where we can like pour a certain level of compassion for ourselves. Because I do think that that is also a really valid part of us and a really valid part of the experience of learning, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about um, a choir, too, and how it's like there are different voices that mm. fit in a range. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, then give them that job. Like, yeah. they fit in that range? Good. Right. It's like Saturn. Give Saturn a job. It's like, yeah. okay, you can really hit that high note. I know where you should work in my life, but mm-hmm. I don't need you to work in this other register that does not fit your voice at all. Like. Yeah. Yeah. You, you actually, you know what? You didn't even make the cut to make mm. it in this choir. Mm. Join the community choir <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> uh, I love that analogy. Mm. How are you feeling? I'm like, are, should we Capricorn exit? or? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm kind of curious, I guess, to wrap this conversation up. What are some of the final things that you want to speak into the space, Mary? Um, I, I like where this went. I feel pretty good about it. I didn't, we didn't really have much about where specifically we were going. And I think this ended up being a really nice conversation around learning Mm -hmm. and our process and just the ways that we two people, uh, show up 
as um i don't know curious people mm. i don't know you know like it, it just feels really good to put it out there that like this is how we learn and maybe other people learn like us or mm -hmm. maybe they don't and it's just a fun conversation to have and mm. like hear what um what people's process is like yeah 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 i guess the final words that are coming up for me is actually something that i heard in your conversation with um one of our friends um and teachers britain um where you said something along the lines of like how part of what you've been learning in this lifetime is how long some things take like how some things mm -hmm. just kind of take a long time and they have their own process and to like honor that process because I think it can feel really challenging when there's a certain level of internal or external or internalized pressure mm -hmm. to like have to do something with the knowledge that you are currently grappling with, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and... Sometimes in my case, I've realized that my direction isn't something that I can cognitively plot out. Like I just kind of go in the direction. Like I know that something is resonant for me if I sign up or if I do the thing or if I start the conversation or I send the email before I can even think about it. Like that's when mm. I know that something is like truly aligned because my, my brain can't even like the, the current was so strong that I can't even like compute it, you know, mm -hmm. like this brain and became useless. <laughs> and I feel like uh, for me, I'm like, no, I have to be thinking about it for like a week before mm. I will take action. <laughs> well, that's not, I mean, that's not always true. I try to like, I've noticed this more as I've gotten older that I'm like, yeah. okay, you're thinking about this thing, just send the email or whatever. Mm. Like I don't need to get hung up on doing it the right way but there mm -hmm. is this feeling of like um whatever it is that you notice is like how that's alive for you or how that's resonant for you like even this conversation it was like at the beginning I was like I don't know if I want to do this and then like I actually do want to do this but like I can't trust my emotions at that moment mm. which is very difficult to like yeah claim that you should really listen to your emotions but a lot of times i'm like don't listen to yourself shut up <laughs> yeah and i think maybe you know maybe this is so fascinating mary because i think it's it's kind of bringing to me this um distinction between trusting your emotions or validating your emotions and believing in your emotions right mm. because i think when you trust and you validate your your emotions you can let yourself fully have the experience you're having now but believing in it is almost like i'm gonna sell my house based on this feeling that i'm feeling i'm gonna divorce my partner you know and it's kind of like it's a little too much right and it's like when you're in that high or in that low like yes it would do you well to really kind of embrace that part of you and let that part of you know that you don't have to be afraid that you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to leave them. Right. But to also not be like, I'm going to like, you know, like I'm feeling super happy today. I'm going to bank all my money, you know, on like this one <laughs> bet. Right. Because <laughs> uh -huh. it feels amazing. And yeah, you're right. I think, you know, one of the things that um, we even like talk about in my human design class is how for one of the ch like 
having an emotional authority is actually probably the most challenging out of the other internal authority because of the time that it's requiring, right? So it's happening within your own system, but you need time. So you have to kind of... Mm -hmm. Like participate with the dance of time. I mean, I've been my partner's also an emotional authority, and I've been like giving him this advice of like, why don't you sleep on it? Let's talk about it. Yeah. And like, you know, and he's an Aries hey, rising, so he needs the uh, <laughs> yeah. it in. Yeah, and it's like, let's talk about it. You know, what do you want to talk about it? What are you feeling about it? Right, and then after that, being like, okay, we don't have to make a decision today, right? Like, mm -hmm. let's wait until tomorrow morning. <laughs> How do you feel mm -hmm. after breakfast? <laughs> yeah, maybe you should eat something. Yeah. yeah, it's so true. The um, like there, there's a huge difference in that listening to it mm. or um believing it, and then also just like this is what is happening. Yeah, because I right. really feel that when I'm able to just be like, oh God, I feel these things like today where I was just like, oh, I feel like maybe I should have planned these parts of my trip better or I feel like I might have done it differently or whatever, or like maybe I'll go and I want to figure this thing out. And it's just like, okay, that's fine. You don't have to do anything with it. You're just noticing that that is the wave that you are currently riding. And yeah. it's like, this making me think of like, at some point I had, um, Maybe it was like giving a reading to somebody, but it was like the the distinction of, uh, you know, a, a huge wave is coming in and you can either feel like you're getting like tossed in that wave mm. or you can like ride it and enjoy the ride of yeah. surfing this wave, even though I don't surf, but like mm -hmm. I, it looks like a thing that would be fun. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and that you don't have to believe that you're gonna drown mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah and i think i kind of want to say too that like even for people who don't have emotional i mean this is for people who are listening to like and they know something about human design but even for someone like me who has an undefined emotional center or solar solar plexus center i, I experience really intense emotions too you know, and I think you even um, have feelings. Oh my God, Mary, it's <laughs> shocking. <laughs> shocking, you know. <laughs> not a robot. Not a robot. Aquarius, Venus and Aquarius is not a robot. It How turns is that out. Possible? How is that possible? Um, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. fun. You know, speaking about Venus and Aquarius, and then I'll get back to the emotional center, is um, it's interesting because the image that I've been using recently to describe my Venus and Aquarius is, you know, that friend who always seems so stoic until she suddenly cries. That's my Venus and Aquarius. <laughs> mm. That friend who's always like, hmm, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just kind of like, whoa, what just happened? Yeah, what just happened? Yeah. I also kind of love when it happens when I'm like, oh, yeah, I feel like I got like secret access. <laughs> Totally. I know that feeling. Um, yeah, but I think even for people whose, you know, authority is not like emotional authority by their human design, I think it's still very challenging to deal with these like waves of emotions. Like I mm -hmm. definitely have my waves of emotions too. And sometimes for me, it's interesting because I think they're not consistent and sometimes they don't even feel like emotions. That's mm -hmm. the challenging part. Like mm. sometimes yeah. I push away my emotions because they don't feel like emotions, but actually uh, they are. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I have noticed this and I don't know, is this a Gemini moon thing? I've noticed this with a few people where it's like, um, oh, I don't have, I don't experience jealousy or I don't experience this thing. And you're like, 
um, I'm pretty sure you do. You just mm-hmm. don't want to mm-hmm. label it that way or whatever the thing is. You, And that's fine. You mm-hmm. don't have to go there if you don't want to. But I, there is something about like something is still arising in your experience and you yeah. can say hello to it or you can try to shove it away, but it's going to come out some other form. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it takes a certain level of like, I don't know. I don't know if maturity is the right word, but I think it takes a certain level of self-knowledge maybe and self-understanding mm. to even know, like for me often, like the cognitive dissonance happens because my conception of what jealousy is supposed to feel like, as an example, mm. is mm. different than my experience right now. You know, it Mm -hmm. may still be jealousy, but that it feels different than what I think it's supposed to feel. Yeah. It's like laughing when you're crying. Exactly. You know, like, (laughs) oh, I I, like this thing happened that's so (laughs) fucked up and I just have to laugh about it because I don't know what else to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like your body's really intelligent. It like does the thing it's supposed to do. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, like it still moves, like the yeah. energy still needs to go somewhere. Um, yeah. one other thing this was making me think about. Um, shoot, did I just lose it? Maybe I wasn't meant to say it. Darn, it had to do with emotions mm. and feelings. Darn it. Maybe it's a sign we should stop talking. <laughs> Maybe. Um. Okay, that feels kind of complete to me. Yeah, I guess just, you know, don't be a dick to yourself if you are <laughs> someone who's interested <laughs> in a, in learning a lot of different things and you are in a particular part of your process of learning that feels um, uncomfortable. Like maybe there's considered a possibility that there's nothing wrong with it. Yes, I know what I was going to say. Mm, and voila. it goes along with that pretty well, I think, is like also having grace for ourselves that like we as human beings have never heard so many voices as we do now. Like we live in a world where there is so much fucking information Mm. all the time. And like, even if it feels kind of like the same oppressive capitalist bullshit, like Mm. any of those colonial things that were just like, it's all shit. Mm. We, as humans, have never had to navigate so much other energy coming into our spaces. Like, this is nuts. We we have so much happening. And that's another thing to have grace about. And also, if you want to, like, not listen to things or turn off the news, like, it doesn't mean you're a bad person if you are, like, out of touch with certain people or spaces or things that you think you should know to be a so-called good person like jesus christ there's just Mm -hmm. enough going on yeah exactly i think the overwhelm is extremely real and um it's important to really i think come into greater awareness of how deep that overwhelm goes because sometimes like even speaking totally for myself like i can't even like my standard of what overwhelm looks like in 2023 is so skewed that like, I don't even know, you know, sometimes. And Mm -hmm. I think it's like, for me, and I was actually talking about this on my Instagram story yesterday, the energy of the high priestess has been coming 
like a lot to me and in my field and it's like literally it's like that voice i mean this is gonna sound so like weirdly christian but i'm gonna like pluck it out of context and like let it be what it is which is like this voice that's like be still and know that i am god you know like, what if you let yourself be still and know that you are divine without having to take in more information, you know? Ooh. Okay, I have a full body chills. That is, sometimes the Bible verse just slaps, you know? It fucking slaps. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Hey, I've got a good joke that Malcolm told me earlier that fits with this. It said, what do you call a book club that's been hung up on the same book for years and years and years? Oh, shoot. No. Is that what it was? Yeah. Church? I think that was how the joke went. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a, that's a podcast for another day. But dang it, if the Bible doesn't have some goodies. Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially like the Bible is such a beautiful place or such a beautiful tool for like bibliomancy, actually. You I know? agree. If you just yeah. like. I think that was when I, fr I didn't realize that was what I was doing. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, that was that was what that was. And it would be like Daniel walked into the fire. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, OK, so I need to find a boyfriend named Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as always, this has been incredible, Mary. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Jonathan. This was fun. And I'm glad we could knock this out before uh, we are apart for some time. Yeah. Have a fun trip. I think your trip is going to be so amazing. I can't wait to hear all about it. Oh, thanks. Back. I'm sure it will be discussed here. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. Bye, Mary. Bye.